our lives, our families, our travel, our occupations, our schools, or even our churches be forever changed by the current pandemic? That's our topic today on Truth to Ponder. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. While there's talk of a vaccine, the truth is it may never come. The mainstream media seems to delight in bringing us news of new infections while totally ignoring the declining number of people dying or even in the hospital. Even if this virus burns out this fall, as many viruses have in the past, will people still be in fear of a return? My guest today on this Thursday edition is Father John Peck. Now, Father John Peck is an Orthodox priest, lives in Arizona, and he writes a blog which deals with the future of the Christian church in these very changing times. Now, regardless of it's the pandemic or political correctness, our culture and our lives are bound to be mightily changed. Now, Father John has numerous degrees and over 30 years of of work and ministry experience. And I've spoken a few times before, and I am impressed with his grasp and understanding of this world around us today. He's also been an occasional writer for Charles Stanley's training system website and many other projects. So today, I welcome Father John Peck to Truth to Ponder, and I open with this question. How will the current riots and pandemic change our way of life and even our churches here in the United States? Well, uh, if I tell my people, um, who occasionally get very nervous about things, you know, because they're they're seeing nothing but trauma on the news and a lot of uh, ginned up uh, emergencies and a lot of drama. I said, you know, during the during the most ferocious times of the Roman era, uh, under the Ottoman Turks, um, under the Soviet, and uh, even in China to this day and in other Muslim countries, what does the church do? Well, the church baptizes and marries and ordains and celebrates the Eucharist and preaches the gospel. In other words, the church is going to go on doing what it always does, whether regardless of the circumstances, mm-hmm. regardless of how much persecution or oppression there is, the church continues to do everything it always does. <clears throat> and there's a lot of comfort in that for people because they are, they're concerned. What, what is this going to mean for us? And what is it going to mean for you? What if you're not allowed to do things? Well, half the time we're not allowed to do things that's right do them anyway you know so that's the we have to obey god and not men we know historically that um it's not uncommon for men without much spiritual formation to rise to uh, position positions of leadership and Mm -hmm. to uh fold quickly or do basically whatever they're told by civil authorities they believe that the uh, state is uh, uh, maybe not in theory, but in practice, they believe the state is the uh, ultimate authority, and therefore that which is legal is necessarily moral. Which I don't, which, is, which I don't buy. I mean, I, I can't. No, of course, it's just the opposite. It, it just, I mean, it, it, everything illegal isn't moral, obviously, but uh, the legality of something doesn't determine its morality. And th- this is something that Christians have understood from the very beginning. However. Hey. For men and women who are who have not received a a thorough Christian formation, uh, that's their go-to. That that's their default, and that's sort of the default of our of our culture. So, 
when the, you know, when the civil authorities said, hey, we need to flatten the curve. We, we need to just uh, hunker down for two weeks. No one was unwilling to do that because we wanted to do our part as good Absolutely. citizens mm-hmm. to care for each other. No big deal. And nobody fussed about it. But when the curve flattened out and suddenly additional draconian measures are in place, suddenly every state has a mask up Arizona, mask up Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is all part of, a, of an orchestrated plan. Um, and it's rebellion against God. You know, what I saw, and, what I've seen, I work in emergency management earlier this year. It's what I did for a number of years besides broadcast my secular work. I saw this early on, that if you work in a local government, you wanted to make sure you weren't behind the time. So if this place is shutting down, we shut down. If this place suggests right. wearing a mask, we it's kind of like monkey see, monkey do. And it's not so much... It's not so much at the local level. They just believe they're doing the right thing because the people that fund them, which is sometimes state governments, and then state gets money from federal, it becomes mm-hmm. like this top-down uniform. We all have to do it. I can remember a hundred and almost 80 days ago when we started 15 days to flatten the curve. It's been that long. Mm-hmm. Been that long. And you know, we were just, just for 15 days, folks, just stay home just don't do anything i was working at an eoc during those two weeks and the roads were Mm -hmm. virtually deserted and the infection still went up but the thing is the death the death predictions we were given for the county i was contracting in never materialized i mean they were saying by may june if we didn't do anything three thousand would be dead if we did everything right, maybe 1,500 to 1,700. And as right, of last week, right. it was 42. <laughs> yeah, it's, not one prediction, not one uh, chart has been correct. None of them. In, in terms of, uh, they've all been correct. So, And I have, uh, I have people in uh, professional jobs in my parish, mm-hmm. and they tell me, if I did on a single report, What's being done uh, at the at the county health? Mm-hmm. I would be fired for lying. Absolutely, but, but then again, this remember is, on April the fourth. April the fourth, the CDC came out with two things. A lot of people are not aware of. Number one, they stopped counting flu deaths officially on the fourth of April of this year. That was it. No more. Right. And they also changed how coding is done for a death certificate. undoing decades of how it had been done change both on the (laughs) fourth and you can find it hey it's still on their website you can look for it it takes little time but it's there the thing is is that uh, people are now aware that they're being played and because they're turning it into a political issue Mm -hmm. uh, the sides are drawn instantly and uh, people really aren't listening anymore when when we had the uh the flatten the curve thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what did we do as a church? We, had we church. shut the doors. Many of them shut the doors. Went home. Many of them did shut the doors, but we didn't. We had our regular thing. We had hand sanitizer there for everybody. Mm-hmm. We uh, we asked people to uh, who are elderly and uh, maybe had uh, some other health conditions, please stay home. If you have any, if you have any 
um, uh, symptoms of any kind, just like we always ask, stay home. I'll bring you communion. I'll visit you if we need to. Absolutely. And, you know, we've continued having services uh, ever since then, but <clears throat> particularly the Orthodox, for whom uh, any kind of uh, novelty is not only highly suspect, but to, to be resisted to, to the death. Um, and I'm not talking about um, uh, things that have come into the church gradually changing things that have been absorbed by the church as, uh, as acceptable. But when a civil authority tells you, change how you give communion, yeah. change how yeah. you do this, yeah. change how you do that, yeah, we don't play that game. Look, and we know the price it, it, you pay for it, too. Before We don't play that. Before I was called out of retirement, I was preaching at a church. This is probably in the latter part of February. And I preached a message that God has laid on my heart called, Fear Not. Fear mm -hmm. not. You know, Jesus will not kill you in the Eucharist. He's not going to be infected <laughs> to kill you. I mean, you're, you're having to take your theology and say, but Jesus is so weak and the virus is strong. I mean, that's where you're coming from. You're saying Jesus gets infected and he infects me. And I know when you want to talk about secular science, I see it. But, no, but we as Christians need to put our faith in the divine and we're putting faith in man we're not supposed to do that yeah but see it's a it's a divergent understanding most americans basically uh, are gnostic and this is a gnostic response mm -hmm. yeah i believe in god i believe in, in divine but i believe that the the real world is real and and you know we shouldn't we should be taking cautions about it Yes, that is absolutely true. We should be taking cautions about it. But here's the thing. If Christians fear death, who's going to believe in the resurrection? Mm -hmm. Well, here's something else to add. And uh, there are a lot of wonderful people out there that mean well. I see them on Facebook. Uh, they are, for lack of a better word, I apologize for this, what I call non-wannabes. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. women who are very concerned about everything, and they seem to be the most fearful and make postings about this virus more than any other group that I, I've ever seen. They're always mm -hmm. in fear. Wear your mask, wear your mask, you know, wear your gloves, stay at home. Um, and they, they consistently live in this state of absolute abject fear. And, and I'm wondering, and you want to be, and you're trying to be a sister of a daughter of Christ, and it's just like, what is, what's wrong with this picture? They'll see a headline, and they don't think it through. And a lot of Americans, they, they only know little bits and piece sound bites. I mean, mm -hmm. I am amazed at how many people really believe a paper or cloth mask protects them from the virus. An astonishing, <laughs> an astonishing number. Absolutely, still believe it. They really believe yeah. it. And I can show them study after study after study that says they are totally and absolutely ineffective and may, in fact, in many cases, make it worse. And they don't want to believe it. Right. They want to, con no, no, I, I believe the mask will save me. I'm going to wear, I mean, I saw this discussion. One guy saying, I'm getting to the point, I can't physically wear a mask. The one guy says, well, mm -hmm. I'm going to wear a mine because it's going to protect me from the virus. And they, <laughs> and, and they believe it. Yeah. And the virtue shaming that comes with it. If you cared about me, you'd wear a mask. Mm -hmm. Well, this is all 
this is all the result of decades of morbid maternalism, which is where we, uh, we've seen uh, a strong cultural shift away from uh, proper masculine uh, virtues. And the word virtue is from the word man in Latin anyway. It uh-huh. literally means manliness. Um, but the, the uh, idea that you, you sucker the victim, you give, you give comfort to the, to the perpetrator, and you ignore the victim. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm no on. death penalty. Okay, good. No death penalty, and we got to be very. We have to be kind. It's not their fault. You know, this is why you have uh, thousands and thousands of people hitting the streets, uh, tearing each other up. They say Black Lives Matter, but they're destroying black uh, businesses. They're they're burning black houses. They're they're killing black people. They shot they a black police officer, a retired police they officer. They shot a black police officer. Right. This is a Marxist insurrection. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, and, and until people come to the realization that we're in the middle of it, they don't want to see this it. Morbid maternalism is going to continue. The oprification of our culture is going to come to its final result. I believe the and this one is why they they hate us because because Christ is a man, and the the church uh, uh, do, doesn't play with gender ideology because we we find it. It's contrary to reality, number one, but two, it's it's destructive to the person, and the church won't bless something which is destructive to the person. That's why we won't bless gay marriage. Uh, you know, most ninety over ninety percent of lesbians admit that they've been sexually abused. Well, we're not going to bless something that is the result uh, a dysfunction as a result of a mm-hmm. of a terrible wound. And you know, I could go on and on about things like that, but the reality is is that uh, just like in the in Russia, uh, 100 years ago, we see the same things being played out in the same order, by the way. This is the same for playbook. for some reason, it's the same playbook, it's, and it's not hard to figure out, but for some reason, uh, people are, are not aware of it and aren't listening to it anymore. So I know they want a civil war because they'll assume that, uh, that the people they have in positions of authority now will take their side and, and uh, force everyone into their little uh, asymptomatic COVID camps. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's going to be... Uh, I, I, I'm concerned because I think that the uh, no matter what happens at, on election day, yeah. it's going to be... It's going to explode with civil unrest. There's no and doubt in my mind... There's they're no, not giving up until they have it their way. Well, that's they're going to use the courts. The they're going right to use now. they're going to use mail-in ballots. They're going to use all of this nonsense to try to undo the election they couldn't undo the first time, and it's it's never going to Correct. end. But you're right; it's all part Correct. of a, a greater plan. With COVID, I see even as officials began to learn more about this, how it really spreads, and where it doesn't spread. It's still not changing the methodology of our approach. We know one thing or from the fact that it's a hundred. It has almost a hundred percent survival rate. Mm-hmm. We don't need a, a vaccine for something that has an almost hundred percent survival rate. The vaccine will be deadlier than the virus at that point. One, one thing I have learned in in doing my work, there were several think tanks that have information that you can get when you do the kind of work that I do. And there was one, and I'm trying to remember the name of it, but I read it so carefully because every one of their predictions so far has been 100% spot on. 
go figure that one out. But they're they're the least relied upon by the CNNs of the world, and even most governments don't want to. They're too optimistic in many ways. Everything they said about the spikes, the peaks, the number of actual deaths, how many people really will have it, you'll never know about, and how this virus is going to follow its pathway until its ultimate conclusion has been spot on. Uh, mm-hmm. Go back two months ago, people were looking at Sweden and saying, these people are insane. They're killing everybody. <laughs> but now their, yeah. their, their number is suddenly falling in line as one of the better numbers in terms of deaths per million in the world. They're even better than we are. I mean, it's just amazing. They're, they're doing better than most places in the world. Right. But again, even if they weren't, and it's it's terrible that when anybody dies from this, but it has a ninety nine point six yeah it's something survival like that. rate. It's it's ridiculous. We shouldn't be paying hardly any attention to this. Yes, of course, for the people who are uh, ill, uh, who who are elderly, who've got pre existing conditions, mm-hmm. and I've got from members of my family that way. We're very concerned about that. But wearing masks, shutting down business, local businesses—that's crazy. That's crazy. And who has said that executive orders take the place of law, of constitutional law? I won't get into it, I promise. But good Lord, this has to end now. It does. I mean, these kind of emergency powers are, they're not putting them down. Uh, They're, they're. uh, Look at New York State. Look at New York State. They, they had some of the most draconian orders, so did Michigan and so did New Jersey. They have the worst case fatality rate of any other place in the nation. Yeah, and doing it their fight. way. And they still won't release anything. They still won't, right. they won't let go. And I really believe politics plays more into this than you'll ever know. I really believe that they want misery index, the misery index to be high on election day. They need a high misery index because it always goes against the incumbent. That's how Jimmy Carter lost. The misery index had gone over the top. He could never win a re-election. It was plain and simple. And that's part of the politics we see playing out. I think that what's going to be hard to maintain, if this one think tank that I have been following is correct, They're talking about a burning out or a snuffing out of this virus naturally in the United States by mid-November. It'll be obvious by (laughs) mid-October what's happening. And so it's, it's, they're trying, if you keep things locked down, all you do is spread out the misery longer instead of letting Mm -hmm. it run its course and go away. And that's what we've done in this nation. We have allowed... The idea of flattening the curve never changed the numbers under the curve. This is what people don't can't comprehend. It just meant it was going to happen over a longer period of time, not right. all at once. Right. But we're beginning to hit a point. If you assume what we now know, that 90% of the people that were never tested had asymptomatic symptoms, and that's why they were not tested, we don't have a handful of millions, we may have 50 or 60 million cases have run through our population already. It is very possible. Absolutely. They already said back when it was 20 million infections, I mean, uh, 2 million infections, even 
the CDC was quietly saying more like 20, 24 million. Well, now that we've mm-hmm. risen that number up to five and six million, it's probably 50 or 60 because so many people show no symptoms. And this is what is deceiving. You may have also figured this out. I, there, there are three friends of mine or, and people that I know that have had this and had a you know, moderately not so good ride for a day or two. All three had one thing in common, type A blood. Every one of them. Oh, this is this has been going on. A lot of people don't realize it, but it seems that you are more likely to have symptoms if you have type A blood. This has been I've seen this over and over again in other in other family members and other places that I've talked to. Uh, one guy that had his rough ride, he has he's retired military on a disability pension, uh, has asthma, and he's unfortunately overweight, so he had a he had a rough couple of days in the hospital, mm-hmm. but he's doing fine now. And I said, so, oh is, so is your blood type A? And he wrote back, how did you know? And I said, it's, it's been, <laughs> I, I've been seeing this repeat over and over again with those that actually end up hospitalized disproportionately, it's type A. And so there's something about well, that blood type. Well, you know, one of the concerns I have, and I'm, I know you have this concern also, uh, is that uh, it is, it has been possible for a long time now mm-hmm. to uh, to tweak viruses so that they affect mm-hmm. portions, right. specific portions of the population. That's specific right. Specific races, specific mm-hmm. blood types. This is old technology, and my concern is that this is a this is a trial balloon. They're they're testing how things are going. They're testing. The reaction to these, the, the and compliance, frankly, to uh, mm-hmm. lockdown, mask mandates, and things like this, and there, there's, there's still more to come, and uh, I personally think it's going to be unrelated to uh, this election. I think that's something in the bag for once the eighteen months of uh, of ferocious uh, civil unrest are, are yeah. coming down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's when that will happen. But I do, I do think this. I think that we're about to see a giant and universally praised push toward uh, mandatory vaccination very shortly. Absolutely. And, and, I'm, um, and I'm against it. Uh, it. Yeah. First of all, anybody that, you know, and I studied microbiology and immunology in college. So <clears throat> I'm not a complete idiot when it comes to this, but <clears throat> you, you know that shots, medicines, vaccines, Sometimes it takes years to to discover what the what the side effects are, what the mm-hmm. what the possible uh, detrimental effects are. They don't come out in a in a two week uh, test study. They don't come out in two months, and they don't come out in two years. So, when did this all start? February, January, February, maybe December. Let's go back to November. If November, most likely, time. most likely yeah. November yeah, in China, because China instantly. look, China lied. And, and, and I'll give you a couple of insights in a moment about this particular COVID virus, but continue on the vaccine. I want, I want our listeners yeah, to hear there's this. No, there's not only no way to know whether or not it's safe, uh, it's almost certainly not safe. And why take a virus, well, why take a vaccine for a virus that has an almost 100% survival rate? It's crazy knowing that there's always a, 
uh, morbidity rate with every vaccine. There's people that react badly to it, like with any medication. So mm-hmm. I'm one of them. You know, <laughs> there was yeah, a period. Of, look, there was a period of time that I took the flu shot for a, several different years against my better judgment. And those are the years that I had the flu. The years I don't take it, I don't get it. And that has been my history now for 30 years. And so I, I choose not to <laughs> take them anymore. <laughs> I, I, you know, I realized eight years ago, no more, I'm done. You can't convince mm-hmm. me I've got to take this. But, but I don't trust one that's been pushed on so fast in the middle of a pandemic. And no, I, I just don't. And, and number one, how are you going to keep up with the look? Every virus will mutate to a point, just like the influenza virus does. And right. how are we going to keep up with the mutations? It already probably is mutating. And generally speaking, they mutate downward in terms of their symptoms on individuals and, and, and the roughness of the case. Over time, it actually, because people's bodies are fighting this virus, as it gets out, it's weakened or damaged or changed. And now you're dealing mm-hmm. with it. And, and, and people also don't understand a virus is not even a living organism. It is not. Right. It, it's not like a bacteria. It's not alive. It is nothing but... It takes over living organisms, yeah. It, it's DNA but, surrounded by fat. That's all it is. And this is where this is where people, and I know you understand this, but this is where people forget. Then, then what's the issue here? Morbid maternalism. When the virus vaccine appears, mm-hmm. that morbid maternalism will say to everyone, get the vaccine, get it. If you cared about me, you'd take it. Mm-hmm. I'm in danger if you don't take the vaccine. That's what's going to happen. Well, my biggest and fear again, is not maybe... Whether or not you can go to the grocery store, the exactly. certificate that Bill Gates wants exactly. to everybody, it's That's my very, big fear. And, you know, you can't, you can't go to a church again unless you have the vaccine. You can't go to a school. You, you're right. <laughs> you, you can't travel. You can't fly on an airplane. You can't get on a subway. You can't get on a bus unless right, your digital certificate. We're the underground church right now. And that's what we, that's, that's so important. I've always said that um, one of the people in the Clinton administration, Rahm Emanuel, summed it up so well years ago, never let a good crisis go to waste. Mm-hmm. And, and I really believe that in this, whether this is a, I have opinions, but I don't have enough to back it up. Is this a pandemic or a pandemic? Uh, only time will eventually tell if we get down the road that far. I think there was too much planning on this uh, last year before mm-hmm. it ever came out of China. And how fast we forget uh the year 2003 and 2004, when a SARS-CoV virus appeared on the scene in China, and a lot of people are not even aware of that. And, and so, we still don't have a vaccine for that. Well, no, and, and but here's a few things you can learn from that virus. What we learned then, and it's still available online from the CDC, what was their treatment that they found worked? hydroxychloroquine it's mm-hmm. right there for SARS-1 the first go round mm-hmm. and how effective it was have you ever noticed there's not been a real outbreak in the continent of Africa right it's very quiet there you, you but, want, but I have uh, friends they, who are clergy there mm-hmm. 
they pop hydroxychloroquine for for potential malaria like a prophylactic like we you know chew on mints over here mm-hmm. but they are they've still ginned up a lot of the fear and they're trying to keep mm-hmm. people from going to churches there i know i know that yet the uh the virus is barely spread because so many people take because of the fear of malaria hydroxychloroquine and so that may have a significant influence look it's all about the vaccine that's all you ever hear from dr fauci's mouth we need a vaccine Mm -hmm. Ah, hydroxychloroquine whatever no you knew back in 2005 when your own office issued the report and i love how the facebook fact checkers try to shoot that down then i can just go to the website and i'm looking at it how can you say (laughs) this is not true i'm looking at it from the CDC's official website, from, you know, several other institutions um, like the London Institute of Virology. I mean, I'm looking at their websites. It's there. (laughs) And they're saying Mm -hmm. it's not true. It's because we cannot have hope in this pandemic except the one hope in the vaccine. That's going to be our that's going to be our cure all for every bit of this, a vaccine. That's the mantra. Right. And that should be enough to worry you. Uh, we have to have our children in masks, and they have to be almost bubble-wrapped in some cases. And, and I'm afraid of the psychological damage we're going to be doing to elementary school kids that are not allowed oh, to be kids. They'll, they'll turn into demons. You're, when you mask someone, you depersonalize them. Mm-hmm. That's, why, that's why children cannot be masked. And the, the nonsense that are going on in some of the airlines right now, well they better knock it off you know they're concerned about social distancing you're sitting right next to each other and and a it's mask so is not going to help you a mask isn't going to help it does nothing but, and I, i've got the studies here that talk about how it works with source contamination being you know if i'm the mm-hmm. sick guy in the mask and you can read study after study after study it's one thing if it's bacteria but bacteria is thousands of times larger than a virus right and people Correct. don't get it viruses are tiny and they no and they're not if they but if they can't remember the lessons of 100 years ago and they and they they feel uh morally superior mm-hmm. uh, because of uh, how they feel about things they're not going to bother uh, i mean look look at who they're voting for yeah they're not going to bother doing actually any homework uh, they're certainly not going to bother listening to someone that doesn't agree with the uh uh, the whole world, in my uh-huh. opinion, and the mass media and the the morbid uh, maternalists, it's it's what we're up against, though. Real quick, I want to just before before this escapes my mind on in, in thinking about the mask and everything else, um, we put too much stock in that, and people think it's a cure all. And if, and I'm doing my part. You're right. It's the virtue signaling that we're getting out of a mask. But my wife pointed out something interesting to me because she used to work in an operating room. And you have to wear a mask in there, and that's primarily for bacterial or, or you know, you don't want to dribble on the patient who's opened right. up. And one day she said they were starting surgery, and the doctor was feeling tired. He goes, did, any, did anybody turn the oxygen on in here? They've forgotten to do it. See, what people don't recognize with these surgical masks, those operating rooms have a higher concentration of oxygen so you can breathe with your mask. If you right. didn't have it, you'd all be passing out 
or having your <laughs> O2 rate go down or increasing the O2 in your bloodstream. I've look, I've, I've in one place I had to wear one. I'm in a store and after about 15 minutes I'm dizzy. I had to get out. Mm-hmm. It took a good 15 minutes to recover. And so I'm done. You know, if I got to go in, I'm going to make it like a one minute. I'm going to run in there and I'm out. You know, no more spending any time until this nonsense is over. Now, some of mm-hmm. the stores where I live at in Georgia um, are not enforcing. Well, of course, the, the some stores have a policy, chain stores. So I'm going to the ones that don't have that policy now. And nobody's getting sick and dying where I'm at. So I guess it's we are living in a, in a stage of fear that we should never have allowed ourselves to get into. I want to take a quick break. I want to remind everybody you're listening to Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. My guest is Father John Peck, and we'll be back in just a moment. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to Truth ponder on this thursday edition i'm your host bob bierman so glad you're with us today father john peck is an individual i'll tell you a little bit more about him again before the end of the program and and even some contact information but he and i are talking about how our world not just the united states but how our world is being changed by a pandemic now some may call it a pandemic. some may say it's a pandemic but regardless, it is being used to fundamentally change how people live and act and even respond to each other. A lot of what I'm seeing in this world today is absolutely negative. People are being kept in fear. It's true. The negative headlines are always the selling headlines. Always has been. That's just human nature. But we as Christians are also being singled out and don't even realize it. In many states, California being one of the greatest examples of two different sets of rules. If you are a protester on the streets, you don't have to worry about social distancing. You don't have to worry about not singing or chanting. You don't have to worry about screaming in somebody's face with or without a mask because that is protected speech under the Constitution. But if you are a center of worship, well, the First Amendment no longer applies to you in many states, including California, and cities like Chicago, and and thousands of other localities across the country. I can remember early on in this pandemic, there was a church in Kentucky that had a drive-in service everybody staying in their cars each car more than six feet apart but that was considered a dangerous coronavirus spreader and people were threatened with $500 fines just for showing up yet those same cities don't seem to worry about a BLM or Antifa protest those are just fine so as we continue on the program I welcome back Father John Peck so good to have you on the program my big concern my big concern going forward for the church the one thing i i sense a lot of churches will never reopen in this country i really believe that if they try to reopen Mm -hmm. there'll be so many people gone that they won't be able to survive and their their time will be up 
I read an interesting article that actually may be a positive thing, that it could be 50% of the universities in this country could be gone in five or 10 years because of this pandemic. Students Mm -hmm. saying, why am I paying this for what I'm getting? And a lot of parents are beginning to see what the education really is at the college that they're sending their kids to. And they're like scratching their heads going, I'm not going to pay for this. I'm sorry, I'm not paying for this. You can go in debt for it if you want. And suddenly, some of these schools are going to be in a, in a bit of financial hurt. There's no doubt in my mind. And that may be a good thing on many levels. But the church, we're having this separation, I think, of goats and sheep. There are a lot of churches that are all about culture. They're all about social justice warring. And, and they don't, they, they've turned Jesus into an abstract concept of social justice. And I think those are the churches where the faith is so watered down to begin with. I think those are the churches that you're going to find may end up closing their doors for good because people are getting used to not going to church on Sunday and they're even getting tired of watching it online. What, where do you think the church is going to end up? And and how is this church? How are we going to be separating the churches in your mind? Well, you're you're right. The uh, this is all part of the law of unintended consequences. Um, people, of course, have short memories, but they may forget that uh, Mao Zedong uh, ordered the uh, killing of all sparrows because they were eating grain or something like that, and the the unintended consequence of killing all the sparrows he could find was that it led to the greatest uh, famine in, in Chinese history mm-hmm. um, because they, they're not thinking down the line. I've already seen, and I'm thank God no Orthodox churches, uh, but I've already seen here locally in Phoenix, a pastor saying, and they said this months ago, we're not even opening again until 2021. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the same thing as saying what we're not opening you may not be not there open. in 2021. No, they won't be. They won't be. Why would Why would you go? You could do a whole year without it. That What that means is you're not offering anything that is essential to the mm. Christian walk. And see, that's now, that's the, the key word in all of this. You know, we, we have to shut down the non-essential businesses like restaurants and hair salons and a lot of yeah, other private industry. What's essential, right? Right. And we're letting the government decide that that our faith is no longer essential, but faith in government is, is what they're telling you. That is the underlying message. Put your faith, hope, and trust in the government, not in your God. Right. Not in People your God. People often uh, look back at history and say, well, the, the church and, and state were in bed together, and that caused a lot of problems. I said, look, on the best days, even in the Byzantine Empire, the church and state were at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. They had a healthy tension between them on good days. The rest of the time, they were at war. And this is how, this ideally, this is how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a healthy tension between mm-hmm. church and state. But when it's an unhealthy tension, it leads to persecution of the church, or worse, um, idiots in the church uh, deciding to try and uh, take over and burn people at the stake and do beheadings and things like that. It's all... It's all very contrary to the gospel. But again, go to your local megachurch. Of mm-hmm. course, they're not open. But in the previous month, 
go to your local mega church and just walk up to someone and ask them, what is the gospel? I don't know. The first thing I start my new, right, my new member class, I assume nothing. I say, look, St. Paul tells us what the gospel is in 1 Corinthians 15. Christ crucified for our sins and risen Mm. on the third day. They don't know that. They don't know that. Go to a funeral when Mm -hmm. you could still have funerals. And what do you hear? You hear somebody telling people the importance of making a decision for Jesus when they should be hearing about the resurrection. This is, they've not watered down the Christian faith. They've removed the Christian faith Mm -hmm. from what they're doing. So the fact that they're closed simply removes the facade from it. Now, when you're talking about um, the universities, perfect example of unintended consequences. Here is our centers of indoctrination. We make millions off of them, and they pump millions into our political machine, and they come out as our drones, and they do what they're told. But unfortunately, (laughs) now, a massive Mm -hmm. number of colleges and universities are going to fail. They absolutely are. And what's the result of that? Well, they didn't anticipate that they were shooting themselves in the foot. Well, they never could have looked. They never thought they were. They never thought they were. They thought that mm-hmm. they were going to be immune, somehow bailed out, and it'd all be good next year. I mean, right. they were they were on board to get rid of Trump. I mean, in the United States in particular, they were, they were definitely ready to close. And yeah, it's funny. We have kids going back to school. Saw an interesting article that once again panicked people on online that in the state of Florida, that 9,000 students had tested positive when they came back. <laughs> And everybody's thinking they're all going to die and they're going to kill their yeah. teachers. <laughs> and then I remind them, yeah. number one, 9,000 students out of a school population of right at 3 million kids. That's one in 330. Right. And so in a typical elementary school, maybe one student, maybe two if it was four or 500, were infected. Maybe four right. in a high school. Not... 9,000 in one building. Then you'd go deeper. How many of those students had symptoms? Well, very, very few. Like 90% didn't. Only 10% even showed the slightest amount of being sick. Mm -hmm. We're also learning the PCR test is so sensitive that even the tiniest viral load which will never make that individual sick and never spread, it will die with that person, will be detected for weeks and months, even after it's over. You know, because it's, it's, dis- it's not been thoroughly disposed. But they can't spread it. They can't get it. They're not going to show symptoms. Yet we're living in fear. Uh, look, look at California. They've, they've decided, the union there, well, we're not going to go back to school until you defund the police. Now, what does that have to do with the coronavirus? They're mm-hmm. out because of the coronavirus, but we're adding to that, you must defund the police. You must do these other things as well, or we're not coming back. In my opinion, don't come back. Maybe it's time the churches stand up, work together to build homeschool co-ops, whatever it takes to get these kids away from government hands. We've seen what 25, 30 years has done in dumbing down our kids today that don't know history. 
Mm-hmm. But getting but getting back to the more important thing, the church. You're, I just predict that so many, so many of the ones that were marginal, that were into more social issue, issues and status, may find their doors closed, or if their pastors mm-hmm. were there because they're getting a nice paycheck. And I can think of several in my mind right now that I've met over <laughs> the years and different than, that won't be there. They're going to say, "Well, I'm not going to come back if I got to get paid less because there's less of you." Oh, sure. They're going to be looking for greener pastures. They're, and, and whether it's in the church or in selling insurance or used cars, only time will tell. I mean, that's just the nature of the business, unfortunately, for many. I understand the concept that you should be able to live from the gospel if that is your occupation. But, you know, let God decide what you need and meet that need. Don't You, you don't need to be making demands. I mean, it, it, things. Mm-hmm. God, God has a tendency, and I've seen it in my own life to take care of things in a way far superior than I could ever could ever hope or conceive but but how does the church survive this and and then and the next wave I believe is going to be when it comes down to uh, hate speech I think we're heading in that direction next that when you call out certain things you know you're going to be in Facebook prison for the rest of your life at the rate you know at the rate you go I'm, I haven't gotten there yet, but I know that I'll be there before long, uh, mm-hmm. singing sweet, uh, Swing Low Sweet Chariot the whole time I'm in. <laughs> but, you know, the day is coming, and, and a lot of people don't see it. But even in this country, the day is coming when those elements that want to control your life will have finally succeeded in, in controlling the power base and controlling your life. And you'll have to submit or you can't shop. Once again, it's going to go back. I think, um, I believe like a lot of other people believe, a, a vaccine certificate may not happen this year or next year, but it's going to happen. And people are going to start being restricted in what they can do and where they can mm-hmm. meet and how they can meet. So w- what is your vision of preparing the church to go back underground to the catacombs, so to speak? No, we're already doing that. I mean, uh, I can't speak for every every uh, Orthodox church in America, but I mean, come on, the the writing is on the wall. Uh, if you're waiting for uh, uh, churches to be burning, they're they're setting fire to churches. Mm-hmm. If you're waiting for churches to be closed, they're they're closing churches. Mm-hmm. It, you know, if you're waiting for uh, uh, pastors to be thrown in jail, if you're waiting for the government to outlaw singing in church outlaw gathering in church that's all happening mm-hmm. so, so the question then becomes who's not getting the memo i mean seriously look i don't want to still uh, saying who's still saying well well we got you know we should be prepared just in case it's way past just in case and then you got those way that are saying that well when all this is over everything will go back to normal it won't you know th- this, yeah because they're saying it was when it, when it's safe well it's never safe it never was it's safe never safe it never was safe, right? And we're not we're not going to stop being the church just because of uh, government propaganda. Look, uh, I personally think that they should have our legislators should have been uh, hammered by Christians saying, "Hey, you need to pass a law making it a federal crime to uh, to perpetrate propaganda on the American people." Mm-hmm, but they haven't it's done that. Not though. No, they haven't done that. We, we always forget, when you look at the population of the United States in 1969 compared to the year 2000, 
51 years ago. We had a pandemic in this country, but a lot of people never knew it. And more people per million died than ever died of this. Mm-hmm. And nobody seems to care mm-hmm. that that happened in 1969. We had Woodstock, probably a great spreader of that. But no one... <laughs> For we, sure. But see, we weren't doing all these draconian measures. We didn't suddenly have this urge for power. And you're right, South Dakota showed us how it could be done. And that's why their numbers are some of the best. Constitutional law and then just letting things be themselves. None of this was an emergency. None of it was an emergency. And unfortunately, governors, mayors, who seize emergency powers, they don't give them back. They were, they rarely they, they, do. They just don't give them back. Until they're taken so, back. Until they're taken back. Yeah, you you know, you can vote yourself into socialism, but you gotta shoot your way out of it. Absolutely. And I think that um, I think that the higher a mob uh, people are gonna be really surprised uh, what they're up against if they uh, if they push too hard because it's not just the people who are currently serving, but every veteran took an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States mm-hmm. against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And believe me, they're starting to recognize the enemy. Again, the law of unintended consequences. America's silent majority is a sleeping giant, but if you wake it up, it will squash you. Mm-hmm. Now, in the middle of all that, where's, you know, my, I'm not involved in politics. By canon law, Orthodox clergy are forbidden from uh, running for public office and holding public office uh, because that's not the the job of the clergy. But you better believe that, uh, you know, we have lawyers and doctors and law enforcement officials and military people and governors and and Mm -hmm. politicians in our parishes. And although many of them are not faithful people, most of them are. Absolutely. So we have a good idea of what's actually, what's actually going on out there. And we're telling our people <clears throat> we're in the middle of it. We're, we're in the middle of what they tried to do in Russia. But the difference is they disarmed them in Russia. They disarmed them in Australia. Look at what's happening in Victoria, Australia oh, yeah. right now. They're on total lockdown. You have a mask. Yeah. If you don't wear a mask. They choke you and, and arrest you. If you make a Facebook comment that the, the uh, governor doesn't like, they arrest you. Um, it's absolutely crazy. I remember talking a couple years ago to uh, an Orthodox Christian in, um, in Australia. And she was astonished that uh, people were so mean in America. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you, you guys will say something that will hurt somebody else's feelings. He said, that's free speech. If you take offense at it, that's on you, not me. That was an incomprehensible thing. She said, well, we have free speech, but we just, we're not allowed to do this. So then you don't have free that's speech. That's right, you don't. And you, you gave up your guns, which means you're never going to have it again. That kind of ended our conversation. And, and you look she at, really all, you look at Australia from years ago, for example. Uh, they were among the freest of the free a long time ago. And they've allowed political correctness and to be polite to one another. You know, you can take things to an extreme, which is what they've done. They've codified politeness into law, which becomes the precursor to controlling what you can say. Uh, look at Canada more to our north. Look at Canada yeah, to our north. Maternalism again. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll send you, 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 you quote certain. You quote, I'm very worried about them. You quote certain scripture in Canada; it's deemed as hate speech. Simple right. as that. Right. You can't preach on certain passages of scripture for because you're insulting some group of people. You can't do it. And uh, well, so, and hate speech is the thing. It's people. We talked about this when hate speech came up during the Bush thing. He said, "Well." You know, if it's if it's extra hateful, then it should have an extra thing. So you're still punishing people for a crime, but what you're doing is creating a thought police. No, mm-hmm. no, that's not what this is. It's well, a hate crime. Look at it now. But who decides what's a hate crime? They wouldn't listen. They wouldn't listen. And this is and this is where we're at right now. Pretty soon, it's it's already being prepared that uh, saying the name Jesus Christ. Will mm-hmm. be considered hate, hate speech. speech. Absolutely, right. Father John, I want to ask you a question as we get near the end of the program today. Uh, give people some information on how they can find out about some of the incredible things that you do. Your list is too long to to spend. We have to have another program just to get involved with all the things you've done from digital media to just your work in ministry. Uh, and you're being prepared, and, and you're teaching people the faith. I think a lot of people think faith is something you can put in a box, but our faith is what we put our lives in. That's the box mm-hmm. of our life. It's not the other way around, and people don't get that. How can they find out and, and learn more about – I'm sure there's some people saying, you mean the church may never come back the way it is, and we may be someday – yeah, you're gonna, we're going to be in a, in a ghetto of sorts – in a short amount of time. The day's coming. I see it coming. So how? what can yeah, they do or- to be prepared? I was going to say, an Orthodox Christian, Rob Dreher, wrote a book called The Benedict Option, where he predicted that Christians would have to uh, associate much more closely with each other and withdraw a little bit from society so mm-hmm. that they could be properly formed and not formed by uh, the culture at large, which mm-hmm. would be vehemently anti-Christian. Uh, Rod is absolutely right, and uh, it's a controversial uh, topic because people, having not read the book and not understanding what he's saying, uh, assume he means, well, you mean running away. And that's not what he's talking about at all. He's talking about uh, setting the stage for proper Christian formation, which unfortunately these days is very rare. Oh, yeah. So, Especially, and no offense, I'm sorry if anybody's listening that goes to a mega church. But, you know, if your music is about you and not about Jesus, you got a problem. That, by the way, uh, coming out tomorrow, Friday, uh, there's a group called Porter's House. You've probably never heard of it. And they're a contemporary Christian uh, artist conclave of whatever. I, I tried to read it and make heads or tails out of it. And they're producing a social justice album and they're taking an old hymn of the faith, O Sacred Head Now Wounded. You've heard, you may recognize that particular hymn for Good Friday. And they're changing the words to O Sacred Neck Now Wounded. It's all to glorify George Floyd. And this is from a Christian contemporary group's new album coming out Friday. Yeah. And you think that ch- you think the church is not in trouble in many parts? We've allowed the faith to be watered down to feelings and no doctrinal issues. We don't deal with doctrine. We deal with our feelings, and our sermons are basically a 
feel like what was what was that guy's name that did the uh well you feel good it's like a pep talk a pep rally and and yeah. you and you get entertained i saw an ad on my facebook feed this morning yeah i still use it because i have to make your <laughs> worship experience a a sensual and uh, experience i'm going yeah. well, what yeah. and i'm looking at this nonsense and this is what the church has become reduced to a pile of rubble you know i think of that other hymn built on the rock the church does stand even when steeples are falling crumbled mm-hmm. as spires in every land i mean this is where we're coming to yet they want to go into their little church buildings and sing and or be entertained you know it's a counterfeit church it is it's a counterfeit church and and people can't tell the difference between the counterfeit and the real unless they're familiar with the real thing my mm-hmm. friend is a banker and he says we ask him how can you tell the difference well there's this and that and this and that but i handle the real thing every day mm-hmm. and something comes wrong and i it comes around and i don't know if this i can't tell what's wrong with it but i know it isn't right and that's what we have with passing itself off as christianity today mm-hmm. unfortunately give us but, your contact yeah. information before we run out of time we're going to have to do this sure, again uh, real soon my my personal blog is frjohnpeck.com um, you can also find me i have an online uh, class at patreon.com forward slash peck p-e-c-k where i give a live class uh, every tuesday and uh, there's also downloadable notes we want to equip people so that if they take the course they can teach the course mm-hmm. and this is going to be very important i tell parents start collecting materials now mm-hmm. while you have access to exactly them because the day may come when the mail won't deliver those things or they won't be able to access those things anymore so i've even made a list for parents in my parish mm-hmm. and my parish uh, website by the way is arizonaorthodox.com there's a great deal of information there there's and i'll put it and i'll put all this if anybody goes to our website truth the number two ponder.com um, i'm going to have it right there in the show write-up about today's program the information will be there attached to this program going forward if you want to even review it in the archives it'll show up there so john i want to thank you you have been a blessing to be on the program today and we will definitely have to do this again real soon well thank you bob this has been truth to ponder with bob bierman to find out more visit our website truth the number two and the word ponder.com that's truth the number two ponder.com truth to ponder shining the light of truth in a darkening world